Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us in yet another sunny day here in an empty capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Robert Caffrey Hill, director of the clinic, foot and back specialist located in Droitwich Spa. Robert, hello. Hello, Matthew. Hello. Thank you for coming on the program today. Now, normally, uh, we would uh, tackle the subject of leadership head on. Uh, however, uh, we will start off by uh, simply addressing the COVID-19 outbreak. How has this affected your business? Um, like most of small businesses, um, we've been um, affected. Um, we've shut down. We've, we've had to... Um, only see emergency patients um, throughout the last eight weeks. And in all the private hospitals I work at, um, the outpatients, again, have been closed because NHS have uh, taken them over for the COVID patients at the moment. And do you see your uh, sort of service and the way in which you provide it changing after COVID-19 is over? <laughs> uh, yes. I, I, yes. Yes. Um, it's been um, quite a, a, a turbulent eight weeks for the whole country and obviously businesses like mine. Um, but I think we've, 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 we've I personally have learned um, that um, when we get back into practicing um, full time again, nothing will be the same. It won't, won't be. It will, it will be more. Um, uh, at the moment, we, we used to see quite a few patients come through the door. Whereas now we've got, a, we've got a stack of patients, we've got to have deep thing in between. And that actually gives us, or gives me, loads more time with a patient um, as opposed to um, numbers. It is more quality as opposed to numbers. Um, I get quite busy and I, and I feel that sometimes uh, I, I just need to see people, patients want to see me. So therefore I try and fit everybody in. You work silly hours, you nine, 10, 11 hours sometimes to accommodate everyone's needs. So. I suppose with the, the COVID situation and having to slow down, it has taken me, um, it, I have looked at the business as a whole um, in a different way. Now, uh, of course, uh, when the COVID situation has abated and uh, things get back to some semblance of normalcy, what sort of reflection do you think you have on this time? And do you think that although there has been quite a, a lot of bad that's out of this. Is there any good that will have come from this? Um, personally, um, uh, that's an interesting question, isn't it? Um, like I said, I suppose, thinking about it, um, I suppose from a, from a medical point of view, um, um, the the cross-infection, sterilization, disinfection, that has been, obviously, I've come to, it's come to, um, uh, it, it, it's a big part of our practice. It was before, it wasn't, it was, but now it has to be, um, we have to be um, um, very cautious of who's coming in and what cross-infection could be, could be um, contracted, not just to the, to the other patients, but to our staff as well. So, yes, I suppose it made you look at that in a different light, and any kind of viral infection, cross infection, you are you are going to um, um, be more cautious about. And as a clinic and as, as a hospital, I work at, 
that has now been um, highlighted. Um, so yes, that is probably a positive that's come out of this. Well, let's uh, pivot towards the subject of leadership. I always like to uh, start this part of the conversation off by asking the same simple question. What does the word leader mean to you? Leader. Okay. Um, I think the word leader means to me someone who kind of sets by example. Um, someone who has um, people around him, um, the loyalty and respect that um, they're looking for. Someone to take them um, sort of take them into the, onto the next level, maybe, or someone um, that they kind of look up to. Um, I think that's very, very important um, in a leader. And someone who's probably like a bit of a maverick, someone who just, who just tends to um, think outside the box, um, and also someone who doesn't really, um, uh, what's the word, um, uh, can, take, can take problems and... Um, get other people's opinion as opposed to just going directly down his own his or her own route. So you believe in a real collaborative approach to the workplace? I think that's very important. But ha- I think a leader also has to make that final decision and also mm. a leader will have to, if it's a wrong decision, will have to put up their hands and say, look, yes, I was wrong and move in a different direction as opposed to being stubborn and carrying on down a road that is going nowhere. So they need to take ultimate responsibility but share decision-making yeah. with uh, their staff. Yeah, yeah. Um, would you say yeah. that your uh, own way of leadership, uh, your method, is collaborative and expand on your personal leadership model? Um, I think empathy plays a big part in my leadership model. I'm very empathetic. I, I, we sit down on a regular basis and we discuss any issues within the team within the clinic um, and try and, and work them out there and then as opposed to letting things just fester and people become unhappy. Um, I think you need passion. I do believe passion is a big part of leadership and in my practice, I love what I do. I feel I'm good at what I do. That's what's led me on to those silly hours sometimes. But um, passion plays a big part of that and people get caught up in the passion as well and they and they, and that enthusiasm and they, they, they enjoy it. You have to you work to enjoy. You have to enjoy what you do, and that goes for everyone around you. But um, you have to have um, uh, the strength and intuition and all that to to, to help um, be a good leader and be a good manager, I suppose. Where did you come up with your uh, strategy? Uh, did you have a role model who shaped you in this way? <laughs> um, uh, no. I have to, no. If I was being perfectly honest, no. Um, I spent six years in Canada um, working, and I, um, like anything, no one was born, everyone's born equal, and they, they, they develop their skills, be positive or negative. I feel um, my skills that I have currently have come from all the negativity that I've seen with other people, other leaders who, or, or um, people I've worked with, who do not approach things in the right way. So I kind of take a look at what they did, and not do it, and do the complete opposite, if you see mm. what I mean. Well, people like, seem to forget that you can learn just as much from bad leadership as you can from yeah. good. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's where my kind of um, um, past um, learning has come from, in, in, in that kind of terms, with, with when you've got someone who's um, is discriminate or have prejudices, you're, you're, you then become tolerant. People, people who are disrespectful in their kind of in their kind of position, 
you learn to be respectful because you see what happens down the chain and what's it's like a, a pond and the, um, the ripples on a pond you can see what happens all over and you then learn by that you don't have to have a good leader to be a good leader you can have a bad leader to be a good leader as well that's how i've, how I've learned over the years now, of course, leadership comes in many shapes and sizes. Uh, do you have any people that you look up to in the public eye today? Any leaders that you take inspiration from? Ooh, um, it's difficult times. A lot of a lot of current national and world leaders are, they look to be struggling to me. Uh, as we can just turn on the news this morning and yesterday, we can see that. Um, uh, the leaders are having to fill up to the mark, I suppose, and 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 some of them are showing their, showing their true colours. Um, but someone I, I do respect, actually, part of the EU, I, I've got a lot of got a lot of respect for um, Angela Merkel. I think as part of a as an EU politician and Chancellor of Germany, I think she's she's got all the qualities I see in a leader. She's very decent, um, calculated, rational. Um, I've got a lot of respect for her currently. Now, unfortunately, our time together is drawing to its close. But before I let you go, what does the next 12 months have in store for the clinic? The clinic? Uh, we are set to reopen the next week on a part-time basis. Um, so, therefore, um, hopefully get some staff back to help out. We are also expanding the clinic, um, the building ourselves, and we're also going to hopefully put a clinic into um, into Ireland as well. So we are expanding out. We have four clinics at the moment, uh, and we were looking at moving forward and pushing this kind of back and foot um, business further afield. Well, Robert, it's been a pleasure having you on the program today. Uh, we have to have you back on the show when things get back to some semblance of normalcy. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, Robert, you. thank you. Thank you. That was Robert Caffrey Hill, director of the clinic. And now, if you haven't heard it before, it's Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, we're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex... Uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Although there are one or two people who are very familiar um, who, who do Google me realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool, many, many years ago. 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, and, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, I guess, with one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where... Um, so Jeff Hurst was a, a first-class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or, or football, obviously the importance of leadership, it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, 
uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He and he's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess. He would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd work with. So you're very fortunate. I think you, you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach, as we had in Ron Greenwood, and of course, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that, of that calibre, can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's, that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with, with a manager obviously like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players. And of course, they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peter's? I think probably, well, I was very fortunate to play with the calibre of the players I did. Again, again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters, who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved. What a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Noor. Although he was only... Uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more, looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly in all walks of life, leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident, I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships, and you could almost tell when you walked into the business, uh, in a, many of the car dealerships, you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership and that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved in my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it would be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously... Uh, after uh, at West Ham, your uh, plane came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man, I'm sure, when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about Alf Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. 
Um, mm. Naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand, whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you. It can have a, a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and, of course, your life. But yep. in that era I was involved for six or seven years, he it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very, very strict. Probably at a time, maybe overly strict, but at a time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across and very few people... And he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people, and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn for you, and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned, and I've taken it on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in the group that doesn't want to be part of it, you you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless with that in his, in his staff and I think that's one thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learnt over a long period of time And is there do you think uh, a, a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens but is there a specific moment if you could uh, perhaps pick right now that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply Yes I think for, for me certainly um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team or certainly in the squad and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it. But looking mm-hmm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that, that's, that's for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing... Um, in it, only a few games before I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final and it looked at that stage as if I was going to be, be playing in, in the team but uh, in a couple of friendly games more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway I think in Denmark mm. I didn't I played two of the four games and I probably didn't quite replicate my, my form that I him showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England. And he, he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay. He started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Allen. So I, I had an impact of thinking I, at that stage I like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Glee's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Well, not for me personally, no. I, I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think mm. I was just happy to be, you know, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't, you're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really, looking back out. Mm. So I never really felt 
people talk about pressure a lot and it's there and people players talk about people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessary to feel any great pressure pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he'd moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that Al showed. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very, I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Um, we had some great players, but overall, they were great, hard-nosed professional players. Um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realise there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows. In fact, starting this week over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, The other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. But the, the, the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And, of course, I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal. And I looked round, put my foot on the ball, and looked round for a little while and said, oh, dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch. So that's, uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that and say, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited to just have a, look, have a glance round, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that such as stupid questions, really. Um, oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It's too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey, or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three years ago, and most stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely... But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we... Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You want. You got time. I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay. So I was uh, doing a, a, at a dinner in you know, Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about twenty minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening, and there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I heard a, somebody at the back who who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Is- uh, well, uh, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like that. Just, but then I again, found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did, uh, um, it did make again, me laugh that If you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, <laughs> but there, there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff, I think, um, 
you were a young man when this happened, when you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you, or did you just realise that by, by one way or the other, people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new, a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are there are people who pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and, of course, in, uh, England fans who... Um, I, I think probably uh, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Uh, well, um, it's, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it, uh, perhaps. Um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitches, people must realise that that's, that has an influence, how you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field. Surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team laterally. Um, yeah. And and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader? Um, well, a, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding, I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is, is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that, that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely. That's, that's absolute leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson, who's just absolutely, mm. you've got to take him as the first example, because Klopp's only done this for a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United and subsequently since he's gone how they they are not doing so well he's the best example of management I think we've seen we've probably ever seen and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again it's absolutely astonishing astonishing and do you think could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today Yes, I think so. I think yes, no, no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Green was yeah. Well, the, the answer, straightforward answer, is yes. 
Um, good main, answer. <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with, um, I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England, who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership but uh, companionship and and level headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were very fortunate, and I wouldn't take any one player out. I think looking at so that, many. yeah, so many, and that's why we were successful because we had so many. Um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team, I think that that was outstanding, and uh, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody. And I'm going back from an earlier earlier question for me that um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days every year uh, up until about five years ago of course with, with the uh, sadly dwindling yes. numbers we, we still got on our wives got on with, all together all those years later it didn't just finish after 66 they, that reunion that camaraderie that team spirit mm. um, uh, getting on with each other lasted for, for a long 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 time and I wouldn't I... When, it, when you put those, those questions and how you categorise those I would pick every one of the 11 players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else. They were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We had some great players. We had some great players, of course. But without the attitude (laughs) alongside that, going back to an earlier question, we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately, ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the, the the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word the word is team. the word is the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes you know, together, everyone achieves more, and that that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, Jeff, uh, looking if if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life. What would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single-mindedness, single-mindedness, dedication, dedication to the job. Um, thinking about that 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 role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. I don't think you can switch off. When you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level, you may, you know, have a, way, have a couple of weeks holiday. But I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm, I'm sure there's not, uh, there's, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's. You're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, 
attuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over the go over the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence and leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.